Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So in today's episode of the Heart of podcast, we're going to be discussing one of the many facets of communication, specifically a concept known as equanimity, which falls under the bracket of internal communication. So this past month in the Hard to Kill program, we've actually dedicated and devoted an entire month, a four-week educational cycle to expanding upon our arsenal within the realms of communication. Now, communication is obviously an enormous, multifaceted, multifactorial area for us to study. And we look at it as there being four main areas in which we can have conflict, because ultimately, that's what we're really interested in when it comes to communication, is how well we can initiate and ultimately resolve conflict. Now, at the top of all of those things is obviously internal, because it is useless, it is an exercise in futility for us to be concerning ourselves with how we initiate and resolve conflict with others, if we are always in our own head, always self-deprecating, always self-criticizing, arguing, talking yourself out of things, standing in our own way, so on and so forth. Because ultimately, irrespective of how close you are to your team, how close you are to your partner, how involved you are with your family, you are going to spend exponentially more time speaking to yourself and listening to yourself than you are any other human being on earth. Even if you were to go to uh, a Buddhist retreat and do a silence camp for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you're still going to be listening to yourself. So it is imperative that our internal conversations are one that are conducive to the result that we want. And for many of the guys we work with, that is to be a good leader, to be a great role model, to be in command and control of our own domains, and ultimately have an inner coach, not an inner critic. So that's why it's imperative for us to study the concept of internal conflict and subsequently what we refer to as equanimity. So as with many of the concepts in the new and emerging world of neuroscience and peak performance, this has actually been around for millennia. And if we look back to some Eastern religions and some Eastern traditions, and we look at uh, how they operated in monasteries, then we can see that equanimity has gone under a number of different names for thousands of years. And essentially what it is we're looking to do is simply expand the gap between feeling something and immediately assigning an emotion and reacting to it. So that is the process that we're looking to initiate here. Within our internal communication, there is ordinarily going to be one or two voices. Sometimes there are many, many more, but I also wanna go on record here as saying this is not designed to solve pathological dysfunction. This is not designed to diagnose psychiatric disorders or any one of a number of different things. I think context is imperative here. This is highly nuanced. And ultimately, social medias don't necessarily allow for nuance in the modern world, but we are talking exclusively to those who are good but want to be great and those who are interested in the world and the realms of peak performance, those who want to get from 60 to 70% of their greatest potential to 100%, who want to become truly mentally sharp, physically robust, and high-performing leaders. 
we are not discussing this. I am not diagnosing. I am not uh, for a moment suggesting there is a very reductionist off the shelf plug and play solution for a number of psychiatric disorders. Okay, we are truly here discussing how we can continue to improve by improving what's going on in the top two inches, how we're responding to that, so on and so forth. Returning back to the main theme, we've got this concept of having a couple of voices in our own head. And if you're listening to this, you'll probably be extraordinarily familiar with the fact that often they can be in disagreement, they can be arguing. One side of you, your thinking brain, can often enormously value something or perceive that you value something. Yet there just tends to be this devil on the shoulder that is dissuading you. It's giving you seemingly very logical rhyme, reason, and rationale as to why you shouldn't do it, as to why you behave in a certain way. In psychological realms and in Inside the Hard to Kill program and in our coaching space, this is referred to as dissonance, cognitive dissonance. So if I'm to give you a couple of examples of this, ones that we see extraordinarily frequently, there are a great amount of individuals with whom I speak through social medias and other different platforms who you know, really have this perception of value of growth. They aspire to do more, be more, achieve more. They want professional success. They want individual excellence. They want athletic prowess. However, there is also an inner part of them that just longs for peace, tranquility, freedom, and control over how they spend their time. In the longer time horizon, they can actually go together. But in the here and now, when we're looking to make a decision in the moment, they're actually diametrically opposed. Do we work the longer hour? Do we hit the gym on the way home from work? Do we do any of these things that are assigned and associated with, you know, continue to perform in the way that we think is what we want? Or do we resign to working a little bit less, not going to the gym on the way home, not pushing and striving because what we actually want is tranquility, stillness, to be present with our family, so on and so forth. So therefore we get these, there's a real mismatch of emotions and we get this inner conflict that, that presents itself as a result of that. I want to do this, oh, but I feel like I should do that. Then we get anxiety for not doing what we think we ought to be doing. And then we're telling ourselves what we should be doing. And essentially what it leads to is spending not a small amount of time in our own head, in the top two inches, overthinking, second guessing, worrying and self-doubting with any of the decisions that we make. And although that's problematic in the first instance, in terms of A, it wastes a fuckload of time. B, it also like clogs up all of our cognitive load in terms of it really diminishes our executive function, leads us to burnout exponentially quicker. But the third order effect is it is absolutely corrosive to our self-confidence. I was actually having this chat with uh, a great guy who applied to the program uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's now inside the program and, and absolutely fucking smashing it. But we were talking about this on, on his call when him and I were first speaking. We were laying out a strategy of what it is we look to do, etc. And uh, I essentially said to him, I gave him this example. Imagine for a moment that you were in your home and you made a decision about what you were gonna do. And then I turned up and I started questioning you and I said, are you sure about that? I thought you wanted to do this over here. I really think we should do this over here. No, I'm gonna go this. Okay, but are you sure? Have you thought about this? Or what about this? Or this could be better? Or is that optimal? How long would that continue before you start to really just self-doubt, to really question yourself and think, fucking, oh, I just don't know. I don't know what to do anymore understand that's a very, very um, obvious analogy, but we are capable of having that degree of conflict and dissonance in our own head, okay? And many of you may be familiar with the model of the iceberg between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind, but for those of you who are not, if we were to look at an iceberg, such as the one that sunk the Titanic, for an example, what it is you see above the surface is only a tiny percentile portion 
of the chunk of ice, okay? And the same is true with our thinking brain, with our conscious mind. It's a tiny portion of the true horsepower that is contained and comprised within your skull. Beneath the surface is where the biggest mass, the most power, the biggest bulk of our computing power, of our, of our thoughts, of everything exists. And that is the unconscious mind. You cannot overpower it. You cannot argue against it. You, we, we simply need to begin to pay awareness to it. When you understand that what we're thinking is just tip of the iceberg, what we're truly feeling is that the big chunk of our unconscious and there can be a conflict between the two, you can now begin to see how we really undermine ourselves and how we really spend an enormous amount of time, energy, bandwidth and emotion essentially leading ourselves to burnout because we're not paying attention. Now, this is exacerbated and compounded, if I'm honest, by how chronically distracted we are in the modern world. We're so distracted, we don't even know that we're distracted. And one of the best examples of this is if you ever go into a place on earth that is remote, whereby there is no cellular signal, your phones aren't working, there's no billboards, marketing, advertising, even radio, you'll realize like how much, how little actually goes on in your head and how obvious and clear your thoughts are. They kind of come in as if you were having a conversation with somebody and it's phenomenal for really getting to know yourself, really beginning to understand yourself. And I experienced this most lately on the Marathon de Saab. And then what I also experienced was coming back into society. You know, I actually really liked having nothing but a day sack to live out of in the middle of fucking nowhere, no cellular signal, nothing but uh, hard physical training and, and good times with good people. And all you have to worry about is running your miles, eating your food, drinking your water and sleeping and having a good time in between that. It's incredible. And then as you get back into taxis and buses and you start going back into civilization, you see billboards and road signs and even registration plates and cars and people and music. All these things are bombarding us at all times and constantly presenting us with information. We're chronically distracted. And then we layer above that how much money social media conglomerates and, and things like TikTok and you know all that bullshit is now bidding for our attention. We are so chronically distracted. Is it any wonder there is such an amount of noise? So when we look at equanimity, our primary objective is just to begin to not necessarily quieten that down, but to pay attention and to expand that millisecond of time between feeling something and then attaching an emotion to it and reacting accordingly. That is the entire goal. What it is we now wanna do is talk about, well, how is that possible and why is that even beneficial? So I've spoken about dissonance and how we can have um, values that, that typically differ. Now let's also talk about how that can present itself in the realms of, for example, hard physical training or taking the hard right over the easy wrong. How many of you have made pledges to yourself to get out of bed at a certain time, to do a certain training session, to, to attend a certain thing or do something? It's probably gonna be a high percentage of you listening to this. And then how many of you have shit canned that, press the snooze button, stayed in bed for an extra 30 to 60 minutes, and then been absolutely furious with yourself, self-deprecated all day, said, fuck's sake, I'm useless, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm not motivated, etc., so on and so forth. In that moment when you hit the alarm, there was an inner voice there at play. There was something that said, nah, fuck it off. Even though maybe a deep inner intrinsic motivation within you wants to be in better physical shape, wants to be mentally sharp, wants to truly start turning up in life closer to your greatest potential and truly be a leader, there's an element and uh, a voice within you that just simply wanted comfort. Okay, so that's one example. Let's look at another example. Let's pretend you're out on a run and there's a hill in front of you and you're on the hill and you're absolutely fucking hanging out. You're sucking it in through every orifice. You're really, really working. And you know you want to get to the top because the sooner you get up that fucking hill, the sooner the pain ends. 
but there is a voice in your head that is taking you through a conversation it's essentially trying to get you to slow down and quit my legs are on fire my lungs are fucking burning i can taste blood i can't keep going i'm not fast enough i'm not fit enough so on and so forth anyone who's done anything like an endurance sport would be very familiar with that inner voice of quote-unquote weakness what i typically refer to as the inner bitch okay so there's just two examples but there are many there is making the decision to make a home-cooked meal versus the devil on your shoulder being like oh fuck it should we just get takeaway oh fuck it should we just get deliveroo so at all times you're being presented with this internal conflict with this degree of dissonance so you can see why being able to raise awareness to that and take the path of the hard right over the easy wrong that's conducive to your success is going to be a really high value skill that is immeasurably impactful, not only for saving time, not only for improving your progress in life in any domain to which you wish to apply yourself, but also in improving confidence. You know, as is now becoming almost a platitude on social media that came from uh, the great Alex Hormozy first and foremost, is that what we actually need in order to be confident is evidence that we will do what we said we do and i kind of um articulate that as we need to have faith in our abilities and how can we have faith in our abilities if whenever we're presented with a choice we take the easy one so this is why equanimity not only makes you a better individual often a better athlete but it makes you essentially a better leader because if you can't trust yourself then nobody else is going to trust you and i'm sorry that's the honest truth people do not respect sloppy inauthentic leaders who are maybe not being fully genuine with themselves and ultimately with others we've got this voice the first thing i want to do is say right well in the moment this is how this can play out this is what i coach my clients inside the hard to kill program to do and this is how amazingly uh, positive and impactful it can be i've used it myself i've used it with hundreds of high performing guys too let's pretend you're out on the run you're on a selection course you're just doing something hard that requires you to demonstrate the grit to persevere and just to, the grit to, to the grit to perform at your best when you're at your worst. Inside your head, you're going to have these two people. You're going to have this guy that's like, yeah, I understand why it's really important we do this, and I really want to push on. And you've got that that big overarching inner bitch who's just you know saying things that are not conducive to you continuing. The first thing we want to do there is ascend. Okay, understand that neither voice is inherently right nor wrong. We just want to ascend and get out of that maelstrom of communication overheads. The way in which I coach clients to do that is ask simply one question, and that is, where is this conversation taking me? If you are able to create the clarity and awareness and space in that moment to ask, where is this conversation taking me? You will then be able to run a thought experiment and play that out. The reason many are not able to is because A, they're not practicing and building their mental skills. Do, two, they do no self-development training. And three, I often ask people, how many hours a week do you spend training your body? To which the normal response is anywhere between five and 15 hours per week. And then I ask, well, how many hours do you spend a week training your mind? To which the answer is always zero. And a bit of a spoiler alert, bit of a caveat, listening to podcasts is nothing more than passive consumption of information. Reading books is again, consumption of information that is not mental training that is akin to saying eating food is physical training it is not we need to train the skills we need to train neuron cycles we need to train cognitive abilities we need to train all of these things so if you're not training equanimity when you're calm and you're not in a situation of stress 
then you have next to fuck all chance of being able to demonstrate this when you're under extreme stress and duress. Okay, that's how stress inoculation works. We want to lower the stress threshold until a point where we're able to demonstrate that skill perfectly and then we incrementally increase the stress threshold until we find a point where we can no longer perfectly apply it. We're going to sit around there a little bit and we're going to basically make sure you're good and then we'll keep improving that. It's called stress inoculation. It's actually, as any client inside the Hard to Kill program will tell you, one of three initial tests that they do when they join the Hard to Kill program alongside resilience tests and, and uh, growth-mindedness uh, assessments. We actually want to test how inoculated you are to stress currently so we can get an understanding of how well you're going to respond to this training stimuli education and we can, can then kind of map out the velocity at which we want to stretch and grow you bring it back we need to be training that that mental skill which is essentially mindfulness so when there's a very very low stress threshold throughout your working day or any time i want you to be able to tune into that question and ask well where is this conversation taking me? So we've taken a condor moment and we're able to run now this thought experiment. And what you'll begin to realize is that one voice ultimately is louder than the other. And the voice that is much, much, much louder typically tends to be the one that wants you to slow down, to quit, or to just quiet quit and find a way to, to, to put yourself in a position of comfort. Now understand the human mind, specifically one element, and I'm not going to go too much into uh, the, the neuroscience or the evolutionary biology of the human brain, but there is an element of you that is always projecting and predicting the amount of resources that is required to complete a task, and it will always keep something back. It will always hedge its bets if you were to need more fuel, more capacity for a genuine survival situation. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know how many times you've been in a genuine survival situation doing fucking hill repeats, the chances are next to zero. How many times you've been in a survival situation on the way to and from work? Hopefully fucking zero. So understand that it is there, it is there for good reason, it has survived the rigors of evolution for a very, very good reason, but ultimately it is not necessary, we do not require it right now. All we want to do is draw awareness to that, that side of the conversation that is always trying to get us to slow down, to preserve energy, to take the easy route because we don't know what's coming in the future, so on and so forth. Whereas if we want peak performance, we have to go all in. When I say go all in, I'm not referring to 100% or nothing, all enough mentality. That is redundant, borderline retarded, and hopefully I've unpacked that enough in my social media content, in my YouTube, in, in previous episodes of this podcast to know that's not conducive to success. And if you haven't watched those episodes, I really do encourage you to go back and listen to them. But when I say go all in, I mean in the confines of that training session, we are there to empty the tanks. We are there to expand our capacity which therefore means we have to give it everything that we have for the training effect, for the intensity to be where it is that we would like it to be. But it's going to be very challenging for us to do that if we have this in a, in a bitch, this narrative that's just basically trying to get us to preserve, to get back to a state of homeostasis, to get back to comfort should we need to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. It is your job and your responsibility in that moment to demonstrate equanimity and say, well, where's that conversation taking me? Is that conducive to what I want to achieve right now? The answer is no. So I'm not going to try and add positive mental attitude or positive thinking. I'm actually just going to choose to ignore all those voices, okay? And it's what I've previously referred to as neutral thinking. So to expand on that a little bit, positive thinking or a positive mental attitude can be beneficial to us in some spaces. 
and it's a limited application at that, if I'm really honest. All that would be is a general consensus of, yeah, to be positive is often more beneficial than to be negative. But when you're being pushed, stretched, you're growing, optimism and growth-mindedness can be beneficial, yes, but just platitude and toxic positivity is actually just irritating and useless. If, for example, you are absolutely dying on a hill repeat session, like genuinely tasting blood, hanging out, like three more reps to go, and I came over and just started saying positive quotes, the kind that you see overlaid over black and white pictures of Tommy Shelby or lions or wolves or anything that like late middle-aged men like to share on their Facebook, would that in any way be helpful to you? Or would you be like, shut the fuck up, you useless cunt, that is not fucking helping, give me something that's going to help. Okay, so we know that positivity is just somewhat irritating at the moment. We know that negativity, you know, that, that inner bitch, we know where that conversation is taking us. It's trying to get us to preserve energy, to return to homeostasis, to protect ourselves, and that's not helping either. So we do have a third option, and that third option is just essentially to assign no emotions to the feelings that we have. And that is the practice, and that is the purpose, and that is the principle of equanimity. So now the question is, well, how can we train that? We have an entire training syllabus that is dedicated and built around self-awareness, emotional regulation, and resilience within inside the Hard to Kill program. And that's, you know, an, an enormous multifaceted beast. But in between here and then, then it, it's super simple. We can actually just start to look to mindfulness and meditative practices. Now, there are many of you upon whom hearing that will probably scrunch up your nose, but oh, fucking mindfulness again, meditation, all that sort of shit. And that is totally cool. It doesn't impact and affect me if you don't wish to participate in it, if you don't wish to train the mind in that way. The reason that most dissuade themselves from doing it, the reason most refuse to participate in mindfulness practices is ordinarily because it's gonna make you slow down. And guess what? It's gonna make you sit with those voices you don't fucking like because they're gonna visit upon you um, thoughts of your inadequacy, your insufficiencies, the fear of evaluation, the fear of failure, the fear of all these deep fatal fears that humans have. There are actually four main fatal fears. And again, um, I could go through those all day, but essentially understand that there are four fatal fears, common human neuroses that you will be experiencing. And in order to be truly hard to kill, in order to be unfuckwithable, you can't just distract yourself from them. You can't just go along with the societal trend. It takes true courage to slow down and look them in the eye and say, okay, well, what have you got for me? What do you want to say? And then begin to work through those and then begin to unearth those and say, well, is there any truth in that? If there is, and what am I going to do about it? Is, is there not any truth? Okay, cool. So where's that voice coming from? What am I going to do about it? That is the epitome of being hard to kill. Not that you can just run up a hill really fucking fast or you can do loads of press-ups or bench press. No one cares about that because if I was to injure you, if I was to give you a week on holiday, then you're just going to self-cannibalize. You're just going to implode. And this is evident with the people that can't slow down. So I know the reason why people roll their eyes. I know the reason why people don't engage. But ultimately, it's up to you. You can either get better by doing the hard yards, or you can stay exactly where you are. You can stay stuck on a molehill. You can stay complacent and comfortable with 60% of your best. And you can live the rest of your life like that. But ultimately, if you've arrived at the moment where you perceive that there is more to be attained and you are aware that there are things to be done that can be done, that are being done by others that you are not currently doing, you only have two choices. Number one, you can roll up your sleeves. You can 
accept humility and say, right, well, let's get to work. This is not going to be easy. This might be quite a long process. And this is probably going to hurt on more than one occasion, but I'm willing to do that because the man I aspire to be lays on the other side of that discomfort and you can have the courage and you can draw strength from those around you or you can distract yourself. You can stay in the nine to five rat race. You can then distract yourself by consuming a plethora of alcohol every weekend, by gambling, spending too much time on social media, by chatting shit about other people, by gossiping, by passive consumption of media. All of these things are simply high risk behaviors that are distracting us from doing the fucking hard inner work. And that is not what we accept or expect from clients at the Hard to Kill program. We don't force hardship on them. We don't say, right, you're gonna have to sit like a Buddhist monk for many hours a day but you are expected to be willing to lean into that discomfort and do the true dark, deep inner work because that's what makes you truly resilient, truly mentally sharp and truly robust and quote unquote, unfuckwithable. So if you're listening to this, know that there are strategies, there are systems, there are tools. It's just not easy. It's not a plug and play. And one of my, one of my many grievances with socials at the moment and coaches that are talking about this is it's, oh, just do this and it's easy or just journal once a day and just write the, your gratitude and talk about the boys that have been mean to you and just say that you love coffee and that you love life and that you're so happy and you're blessed. <laughs> That's the epitome of a toxic positivity I spoke about a couple of minutes ago. It's not actually conducive with anything. We've first got to tune into what is that voice. But again, understand the purpose of meditation and mindfulness is not just to sit there and self-deprecate and self-flagellate. It's simply to raise awareness to these feelings as they pop up and then begin to increase the space, increase the time between the feeling arising and then assigning an emotion to it. Most people do not do that. 97% of people don't do that. It's, I have a feeling it, this is the emotion and this is how I react. Whereas the true high performer, the true peak performer, the true person who is able to demonstrate equanimity and go beyond the realms of mere mortals, experiences a feeling, is aware of the fact a feeling has arisen, is then a passive observer to that and is able to regulate their response before assigning an emotion, if an emotion is even required whatsoever. It's an ability to take a condor moment in the heat of the moment or in everyday life when we're getting feelings of inadequacy, we feel we're being evaluated, we have a moment of low self-belief, self-doubt, fear of failure, and say, hmm, okay, where does that come from? Well, let's run that thought experiment and go through there. And obviously, it's not always going to be a slow, methodical, very conscious process. Like anything, at first, it's going to be, that's why we recommend the journal, and that's why I recommend the mindfulness practice, because it is going to be relatively clunky and frustrating and challenging at first. But learning is hard. Okay, I think we forget that. If you think back to when you were a child or when you were in secondary school, fucking learning was hard. You forget how hard it was. You're bad at something until you're better. But if we really want to talk about the white belt mentality that, again, is such a plethora on fucking, uh, such a platitude, should I say, on social media at the moment, well, that is a true epitome of it, is learning how to learn again and not mentally masturbating with these influential books or these inspirational podcasts or any of that sort of stuff, but doing the true stuff that actually fucking matters, like truly learning about yourself. The goal is not to just have a bookshelf with thousands of books. The goal ought to be able to write a book on yourself, on how you respond to stress, how you feel in certain emotions, what your tendencies are, how to essentially attain peak performance. You ought to be able to write a book on that yourself. And that begins with just A, increasing our awareness, B, 
expanding the time between uh, a feeling and assigning emotion and then C, being able to regulate that to behave in a way that is conducive to the success that we want. And that is the concept of equanimity in a nutshell and how we can overcome internal conflicts in order to communicate with ourselves more effectively and truly attain peak performance. If this has been useful to you, if this has been in any way provocative and you think, I'm not quite sure on that, I wanna challenge that, I wanna push back on that, I wanna understand more, I truly encourage you to do so. I'm not asking for you to be agreeable and for everyone to just nod like a nodding dog and say, oh, okay, that's, that checks out, that's legit. If you have questions, ask them. If you do not believe in what I say, cool, let's have some discussion, let's have some debate. Let's bring that back to society whereby we can have open discussion, open debate without people being offended and people being upset. Let's literally just look to round table these ideas because in doing that, if you become a more valuable human, if you lead your tribe more effectively, then the entire of humanity gets better. And now more than ever, we are looking for good men, strong men, hard men, to stand up and be counted, to raise their hand and say, okay, I'm interested in doing these things that may make me a more effective individual, may positively impact my tribe, my team, my organization, whatever it may be, even if it's just yourself and you are a better person as a result of that. So let's have these conversations. So if you liked it, I'd love if you could comment and share, just let me know so I can see how this is being received. If you have questions, you have pushbacks equally. I'd love to see those two to ensure that we are all growing, we are all learning, we are all striving and thriving together. Hope you enjoyed it, guys.